Yo MTG Taps is proudly sponsored by CoolStuffInc.com, where you can find cool stuff in stock every day. Use promo code YO5 to get 5% off your next order. Yo MTG Taps is also sponsored by CardHoarder.com, our go-to source for Magic Online singles. Be sure to check out the Card Hoarder Loan Program, a flexible, affordable way to play many decks online. everybody and welcome to another episode of yo mtg taps i'm joey pasco and i'm big head joe and it's been three weeks and we have so much to talk about that i think we're just gonna have to come back next week and record another episode so that's all have a good night no yeah, um, <laughs> not enough time to do all this bye um i think we'll have a lot to talk about in two weeks though don't you think well you mean next week because we're we actually are going to have consecutive Weeks. Oh, we're going to do uh, it next week. Yeah, so we're we're gonna. I think that's what what our plan was. It was to try to get us back on track. Was to record. You know, we skip a week, but then do a few in a row. Uh, at least I think so. We'll figure it out. But uh, I, I, you know, I think that's what we're we're planning on doing. Um, we'll look at the we'll look at the mythic champ because you you're, you're spoilers. But we're going to talk about the mythic championships that are coming up. Yeah, and maybe there's some way to work it where we time it out so that we're talking about those at the right times. But that sounds whatever. Good. We'll see. So, so we have lots to talk about this week, as we mentioned. Um, last episode was before the pre-release, so we've we've got right. an entire set to uh, to dive into here in terms of how it's already been affecting various formats. Um, let's it let's has just been. It, it has it, it's affected them a little bit. Like cards do things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, before we jump in, though, I do want to shout out our newest patron, Rachel uh, Pinball Witch, on, on Twitter. Twitter. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh, for your support. Um, Rachel's a longtime listener from way back in the I don't know the, the very first era of the show. I'm going to say like 2011, 2010. I think is uh, when she when, she started listening. Back when Untapped was still a podcast. Right, right, exactly. Uh, which was like <laughs> Trick Jarrett and uh, John Medina and. Was it Frank Lepore, I think, on there? Uh, yes. So, yeah. Um, they apparently mentioned us, and then she started listening. I thought that was cool to hear how – it's always cool to hear how people hear of us. So I thought that was right. interesting. But um, When but if you, you sign up for our Patreon, um, and you can do so at patreon.com slash taps. tell us how you started listening to the show, and we'll mention it on, on the podcast as well. Uh, we don't always we don't pump the the Patreon all that hard. So I figure yeah. every once in a while, leading with a little Patreon love, you know, not that bad. So get on that Patreon and get in our Discord chat. We love Discord chat. We have a lot of fun there. So you yeah, we do. Get in on it. Um, okay, so the pre-release. Um, we're just going to briefly cover that. I I was uh, I played one pre-release. It was one um, you know sealed event. It was on the Friday night. Um, I played. Uh, I played white black knights. I was going to say uh, Mardu knights, but I did not. 
Wait, no, I did play red. I played red, white knights. That's what it was. I cut the black. It's been so ah. long. I'm like, which color did I cut? I know, right? It feels, <laughs> like, it feels like it's been a million years, but. But I, I did pretty well. I didn't lose a game until uh, until the final round. Shout out to Alex, who uh, who beat me in the final. So, uh, you know, the finals of a pre-release. But, yeah, the final round <laughs> of the pre-release. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was it was a pretty aggressive deck, and I, I was happy with it. I was having a lot of fun. And it was really interesting to actually finish my entire round and look up and be like, there's 22 minutes left in this round. This is weird. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just wandering around. What do I do? ever happen at this pre-release because this was this format was so slow oh my god i Um, kept forgetting when my um when when my character my creatures were on adventures that was the other (laughs) kind of funny thing about the pre-release being like the first time you're playing with the cards and you cast the adventure half and you kind of like okay, where do I put this creature? You know, like I can put it, there's a little token that says on an adventure, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's cute. Whatever. I don't need that. Apparently I did because I completely forgot. Once I cast the adventure, it was like the card didn't exist anymore. Did you wind up using the token after that? I didn't. uh, I I Ah. still, I never did use it, but it was, um, but maybe I would now. It was just funny because, you know, I kind of exiled the card in my graveyard in the way I would if I flashed mm. something back with Snapcaster right. Mage or something. So right. it was like still out of my mind unless I needed to look at my graveyard for something. And uh, and I did, you know, I noticed it that, uh, in the first round. Uh, I noticed it and was like, oh, wow, I maybe could have won a few turns ago, but I'll just win now, you know, and I just, I did. Right. But um, I had a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you, yeah, I, I'm done. That that's my pre-release experience. I opened an Emery <laughs> as my pre-release card. That was cool. Um, nice. And, yes. uh, and and it was fun. I really liked the format. But yeah, you go ahead and tell us your uh, your experience. It is a fun format. It's a very fun format. Um, I played uh, at Common Ground Games on their 8 p.m. pre-release because on a Friday, which I'm so glad they let us do that now. It's so much better than having to wait for a midnight. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and real old. quick, just just because you, you said it, like I want to shout out Titan Games uh, because they are awesome and they had a huge number of players and it was apparently the biggest at least the biggest pre-release they ever had. Um, awesome. And they handled it great. Shout out to, to Brian Marks, uh, one of the one of the employees that runs the um, that runs Titan or ran the event. And uh, they just did a great job keeping it running smoothly and on time and everything with with so many players. So excellent. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. So I went 201 at my pre-release. Um, Joey, you know, because as soon as I opened my deck, my my pack, my pre-release pack, I posted on Twitter before I even started building the deck. I was like, we're going questing, y'all. I opened the promo questing beast and I was like, well, I'm building around this. I don't even care. Um, I wound up building Bant uh, with like very little mana fixing, <laughs> but uh, slow format. You can get there easy. Um, uh, first round, I drew, and like half the room drew, it felt like. Um, so everybody, I think, kind of went, oh, crap, this format's slow and like sped up. It was a lot better the next two rounds. But the first round, it really looked like it called time and half the people were still playing. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really silly. It's all those but, food uh, tokens, people gaining all that life. Really? No, it is. I mean, and it's just like, just grindy, grindy, grindy. But, um, funniest thing about the adventures, uh, I didn't have, I didn't use that. I looked at it, I'm like, that's cute. I don't need that. So then when I did my first, um, adventure, I put, I exiled it, not like you would if you, if something gets exiled, but I exiled it like if I were using light up the stage, right? So 
I exiled it kind of above my library, kind of next to the battlefield. And then the next turn, I went to untap, and I untapped everything, including the card that was on an adventure. And I went, oh, crap, that's not right. So I picked it up and put it in my hand. (laughs) And I was like, oh, crap, that's not right either. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's weird. Like you're but like, how I do, reached where do that I put box. these? I reached into that box. I grabbed that thing and I slapped it down the table. I'm like we're using the going on an adventure token, and it actually worked great for the rest of the day. <laughs> I was like, I know what this is now. Oh my god! Yeah, so, it's so funny because you you just don't you don't think about that until you're physically playing with the cards. And I know right. uh, Kenny suggested, you know, he just kind of put it down underneath his lands, like closer to the edge of the table. Um, Sort of like it would be on Arena, right? Like you kind of have right. your hand and then these cards that are on the table and they're known about, they're known information, and they're, you know, right there on the edge. And I think that's, you know, that's how I would do it going forward because it's sort of like a new zone in a way. It's like this is exiled, but it's exiled in a way that I need to remember it, not exiled in a way that I don't need to worry about it anymore. You know, not, right. not the typical kind of thing. Friendly um, exile. It's what? friendly exile yeah yeah sure it's exile but welcome back at, at any point <laughs> right welcome home yeah. um yes so cool pre-release was fun um yeah i wish i would have been able to play in more i usually like to try to play in like two just to kind of get two different experiences mm-hmm. played some on arena but you know what they all blend together you just don't remember them on arena as much i feel like i don't know um can't recall how those went and unfortunately arena doesn't like keep a record of your draft or sealed decks which is a frustrating thing for me as a limited player i wish i could go back and look at my decks and look at my pools and see you know but it doesn't do that i wish it would uh yeah maybe i need to get in touch with somebody uh but anyway let's move on from that um lately uh you know we've got a new format here so obviously we've been thinking about decks if we haven't been actually building and playing decks uh what have you been up to, like, in terms of what you're building? I know you're, you've you got something brewing in Modern. Yeah, for sure. So so it's funny, like, I have I think I played a single game of Standard. I know that's, like, it's not what I would have expected, but since last episode, I, well, I was on a, a road, family road trip, so I didn't play at all during that, that time. Um, but I, the amount of time that I got to spend playing, I was playing modern, like, you know, old habits, I guess, because modern is so exciting with this new set. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like as, as excited as I, I was, uh, to play standard and still am to play standard. Frankly, I'm still excited to play standard because I, it hasn't, uh, I'm not jaded from the experience that, you know, like so many others seem to be. Um, I, uh, I just feel like I'm I'm drawn to modern and I'm so excited about two decks right now. Um, first of all, blue white control getting access to Mystic Sanctuary. Um, you know, I was really excited about like Castle Vantress and Mystic Sanctuary, but mostly about Castle Vantress. But Sanctuary seems like it is the real deal, you know. And I've gotten you know I thought oh I'll play I'll play one in the deck. I think that's totally reasonable to test. Oh, maybe I'll play two. Maybe I'll play three. I think four Mystic Sanctuary is correct. Like, this is getting crazy. Mystic Sanctuary is busted. And it is so, like, to the point where I'm playing cards like Deprive, which I played back in Standard in, you know, 2010. Um, And that was about it. You know, that's like the last time I played Deprive, I think, uh, or at least the last time I I really thought it was good. Um, But being able to... I mean, just think just that loop by itself when you're like, OK, I will um, 
play Deprive, return Mystic Sanctuary. I'll play the Sanctuary, put the Deprive back on top of my deck, draw my card for the turn. You know, you got to counterspell every turn yeah. <laughs> like if you want it. Now, that's not going to advance your game unless you can draw deeper into your deck because every turn you're just drawing Deprive. But I guess, you know, you can theoretically deck your opponent <laughs> by just countering everything they do. Uh, and as long as they don't double spell and then you don't ever run out of cards. Um because you just keep drawing the same deprive. Uh, that's really, you know, that's that's certainly not plan A, but uh, it's, it's just my the, plan A. Just the fact that you can play deprive uh, alongside Mystic Sanctuary is huge. And then there's uh, Tragic Lesson, which is a card I didn't even know existed. Um, shout out to John Farrow for pointing that one out to me. Um, and uh, it's an instant for a blue and two. Draw two uh-huh. cards. Then discard a card unless you return a land you control to its owner's hand. So that's a nice interaction where you're just like, I'll just, I'll just return my sanctuary and maybe I'll get back tragic lesson again. And again, I'm, I'm in all these examples. I'm using Mystic Sanctuary to return the card that re- rebounds the Mystic Sanctuary. Um, right. But, but I guess the point here is Cryptic Command is not the only card that can bounce crypti- or bounce Mystic Sanctuary back to your hand and get uh, an effect. In fact, if you choose counter bounce with mist with cryptic command bouncing your mystic sanctuary that's a four mana deprive yep <laughs> so uh theoretically deprive is better if that's the mode you're going to be choosing with cryptic command um now i understand deprive is worse in a lot of a lot of spots i'm not saying deprive is better than cryptic command but i am saying that it, it costs two mana less to get those two modes exactly um but yeah tragic lesson another card that just works well with the mystic sanctuary um and Sam Black, I don't know if you happened to catch any of the his article last week and then his um, the coverage on uh, a Star City uh, SCG Indie this past weekend. He's nah. playing a, a Sultai deck and he calls it Mystic Sultai. And it's, you know, Mystic Sanctuary and a bunch of cards that would be great to get back with Mystic Sanctuary. And nice. wow, if any, you know, control deck is going to make me turn my head from playing uh, Blue White, this certainly is has got my interest peaked because I don't know. It, it's awesome. Did you see what won the modern classic? I didn't. Uh, Azorius Control. Well, that's good. Ivan Espinoza uh, running four copies of Mystic Sanctuary and four copies of Terminus and one copy of Entreat the Angels. Okay, so so this sounds like the deck that that. uh, I've been tweeting a lot about with uh, with John Farrow on Twitter and a bunch of other players. Um, But uh, but yeah, it's basically it's Blue White Control playing Terminus instead of. Instead of path, I'm not not instead of path to exile. Instead of supreme verdict, like you you play you know all four terminus and entreat the angels and yeah, it's insane. I can't. Mystic Sanctuary is really changing the shape of of control decks. I think, and in fact, not just control decks because instants and sorceries are in other blue decks. Um, True. One of which is the other deck I'm really excited about right now, which is uh, this kind of Urza outcome deck, and um, it's. I feel like it's in its early stages right now because it's uh, it's definitely got some busted draws, some really um, crazy. You can win on turn two with it if you play Jeskai Ascendancy. But essentially, it's a deck built around uh, a bunch of cheap artifacts, Emery, and Paradoxical Outcome, which lets you draw a ton of cards because you just return all your zero mana artifacts and then just replay them. Uh, you play cards like Psy Master Thopterist and Sahili Sublime Artificer that will trigger every time you cast one of those cheap or free artifacts, uh, giving you a Thopter or a Servo token. Uh, you've got Urza that's going to make all those, all those 
cheap artifacts make mana, all the servos, all the thopters make mana. Um, and the the combo with Jeskai Ascendancy, if you play that version, uh, if you make room for it, you can play, if you can play Emery turn one, on turn two, you play Jeskai Ascendancy. And if you have access to something like Mishra's Bauble um, or any other zero mana artifact that can sacrifice itself like Tormod's Crypt or uh, what's it called? Um, Welding Jar. Uh, anything that you can play for zero, trigger the Ascendancy, sacrifice, replay with with uh, Emery, which then you play it again, triggers Ascendancy, untaps the Emery. Emery. So you get infinite triggers of Jeskai Ascendancy. So you your Emery is just getting uh, boosted. You boost her up to lethal, and if they don't have a blocker or a, an answer, you just attack turn two for the win with an Emery. So Whoa. that works. That's wild. <laughs> and you know, that deck had three copies in the top eight of that same classic. Wow. So it did great in the classic, but it didn't do very well on uh, in the in the main open. So it's interesting. I think like it's in its early stages, as I kind of said a couple minutes ago. Right. I think it's really like people are trying to find the optimal build. It's really only been like on my radar for three weeks, maybe. Um, yeah. I had kept hearing about Paradoxical Outcome, and I think there's a Legacy version. I haven't followed Legacy in, in a while. so um, But uh, LSV actually did a video series before Emery was available to play with. So he was already on this deck without Emery and the addition of Emery has now made Mox Amber really good. And of course it's like tripled in price or something, um, which I'm glad I noticed that before, <laughs> before it yeah. tripled because I did grab my copies because I, I just feel like Emery is such a cool card. I want to build around it. I've been wanting to play Urza since modern horizons uh, came out. And I thought, you know what? I'm going in, you know, and I, I went through my binders and pulled out some excess cards and started trading them all into cool stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm basically in, uh, in the building either paradoxical outcome, uh, um, some version of it, whether it's the Ascendancy version or the other version. Some versions play like Nexus of Fate as the main win condition. Some versions play Grinding Stations. Um, it's still kind of in flux. I like the Ascendancy versions, but if you want to stretch to play something like Oko or Veil of Summer, you're now stretching into four colors, and that might get a little bit weird, but you can play. This is this is shown up in a couple of lists. A copy of Mystic Sanctuary that will rebuy your paradoxical outcome that somebody either took with a thoughtsease or you already cast and you want it again. Um, I like this paradoxical outcome deck plays like very few or zero instants and sorceries other than outcome. So, um, and then Nexus of Fate doesn't really count. You don't need to hit that one with the Mystic Sanctuary. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so, so that's one of the lines of play you can do with Mystic Sanctuary outside of a control deck. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just excited about this deck and, uh, it's interesting. I kind of feel like this is starting to bleed into one of the topics that or probably our biggest topic right now. Do you want to jump into that? Because I guess, you know, it's, it's sort of down here where I um where I, 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 I do you see my my highlighting right now? Yes, I, don't know. Yes, okay. yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Like, so I just real quick, I want to talk about um decks I've been playing and then we can get into that. But yeah, let, um, let's do it. we can we can go back there. People will remember that I talked about about this deck i think I you know, know in 20 though. minutes who knows i don't know we'll see. Uh, no, but <laughs> i have no faith in humanity no but um so i haven't played any modern at all this format looks interesting though i mean you know, again skipping forward to the topic we're about to have um i don't know about 
what it's going to look like in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But lately, I've been writing paper after paper after paper for school, so I have not had time to play modern. Uh, I did buy a place at a Bedlam Rev- Revelers, though, so I have dipped my toe into buying some stuff to put together a uh, modern deck, so kind of cool. Um, in standard, I've been uh, jamming this Rakdos aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Um, again, fast forward to our topic coming up. I don't know what the format's going to look like, but this is a fun deck to play, and I've been messing with it and trying to work out some kinks, and I like it so far. We'll get into that another time. Um, but Rakdos aggro, I just want to say, you know, that the Storm Fist Crusader, is that the name of it? I was about to ask you the same thing, but that sounds right. That was that was my guess. So I think if we're both guessing Storm Fist Crusader, I think, uh, I think we've you got it. You know what card we're talking about. <laughs> so leave us alone. Um, using that with, like, the spectacle cards, like Light Up the Stage and uh, um, the one that does damage. Skewer the is awesome. Thank you. Uh, I've cast it a thousand times. What's it called? Um <laughs> Awesome, 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 fun. Um, the uh, the giant is awesome. I can't think of card bone, names. Bone Crusher Giant? Bone Crusher. He ain't never scared. That's right. You know what happens. Like, we start recording and part of our brain just th- that remembers magic card names just completely just shuts off. Right. So, uh, that card's awesome. Um, deck seems really fun. Uh, don't know what the format's going to look like in a couple weeks, but that's what I'm playing with for now. Uh, I just want to say, though, in draft, because I have had, I've made a little bit of time that I shouldn't have made because I should be writing papers um, to play some limited uh, because Throne of Eldraine is, uh, as of this recording, um, the um, the ranked draft format now. Uh, so you can enter it with gold. You know, before when it's like traditional draft or sealed, you can only enter with gems. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a lot of, I had like 15,000 gold saved up and I was like, cool, 5,000 to enter. Entered in a draft. I drafted blue, black mill and I went seven and two <laughs> and I was nice. like, yes. So then I did another draft and I drafted mono blue mill and I went seven and two. So the mill deck is amazing. Um, and it's just the, the games don't even feel close. Uh, it's just a crazy deck and it's a lot of fun to play for me not for my opponent, because you can tell that they're just like, oh, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> um, Merfolk Secret Keeper blocks just about everything in the format. Um, if you have ways to bounce it with, um, like, uh, run away together, uh, you can just keep rebuying it and slowing them down and then replaying it, and you just mill, 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 mill. Um, what else did I have in the first uh, deck Overwhelmed Apprentice is pretty good. I didn't have any of the Runaway Together in the first draft, but I did draft four Merfolk Secret Keeper. Um, three didn't say please, and uh, that's what I was saying. You were like, you can just mill them by returning stuff with Mystic Sanctuary. I'm like, I know, because I bet drafted a mono blue deck with three, um, three Runaway Together, Three didn't say please, and four Mystic Sanctuaries. Nice. So I would just be like, okay, counter this. Okay, play this. Put that on top. Okay, counter again. And, they, and at that point, they see the counter in your hand, and it's such a psych out. You know what I mean? Right. Like, um, But the second deck I built, I was like, oh, I had some black, like some removal. I had two Reeve Soul, and like the one that gives minus X, minus X for the number of cards in your graveyard. Like I had those, and I could have built blue-black, but I really wanted my Mystic Sanctuaries to always be live mm-hmm. so i just played them all went mono blue and um oh and the one game <laughs> my my 
seventh win with the blue black deck was against a 52 card deck. <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they were thinking I'm sick of playing against mill decks, but I didn't play against another mill deck the entire time I played. So I don't know, you know, like I'm, I was the only one I saw. Um, so, uh, but I don't know, or maybe they just didn't realize that limited was 40 cards. I have no idea. Um, but I still won by attacking. <laughs> I had like four cards in my library because I almost decked myself because I had way more cards. Uh, they had way more cards than me. Um, and then in with the mono blue deck, I actually could have won. A, a, uh, one of my only two losses I could have won, they had zero cards in their library when they hit me for lethal. And if I hadn't um, scryed to the bottom or run away together, I could have bounced one of their creatures and kept myself at one life. And then milled them out the next turn, but uh, I didn't think of it, and I went and sacrificed my 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 witching well, and it was just um, island island. So I had nothing <laughs> to actually affect the board with, and I was like, oh well, that was a risky, that was a gamble that did not pay off. Right. But anyway, all I'm going to say is the mill deck is real in Throne Limited, and uh, you should try it, and it's sweet. Um, so that's all. That's all I've really got for that cool, cool. so let's get into this because okay. this has obviously been a big topic on twitter this has been a big topic uh you know in my own head um all these talks about bands yes it's uh so the set released i believe october 4th um that weekend immediately everybody was complaining about standard like calling for bands in standard week not week one day one day two Day three, I guess, if you want to count Friday as day one, I guess. Like, it's it's crazy. And I don't want to, like, I don't want to disagree. First of all, as I said, I wasn't, I haven't been playing standard. And so I am not uh, informed enough to have an informed opinion about, you know, specifically standard. However, I see a lot of what's, what people are saying, and, and certainly they make good points, and I'm not disagreeing with anyone or agreeing with anyone. But what I what's striking me is, like, how are we calling – why are we constantly talking about bands all the time? I, and it feels um, it feels like it's just common now, right? Like, we, we had this huge – you know, I know we're talking about multiple formats here, standard and modern sure. being like the most played con- competitive formats, the most um, right. popular ones. So, yes, you have double the formats, double the band talk. And I know modern modern itself is kind of a format where the band list is very much part of of the format. You really kind of need to, to um, look at it. It's a big, deep format. And so cards need to be banned more often. I understand that. So we're going to be talking about bands more often for modern, but standard bands should not be this common. And I, I was thinking last night or a couple nights ago, I was thinking, I don't remember, you know, we've been playing for 24 years now, and I don't remember it being like this before. Um, granted the first few years we started playing were, were kind of like the first few years of the game existing. And so there were, there weren't even more than there wasn't even more than one format at first, you know? So, right. you know, go fast forward a couple of years. And I, I started looking at like around the time that we were getting more into, you know, what was competitive, even if we weren't always playing it, but we were a little bit more aware of it. And, and, um, and I started thinking about like around the year 2000, right? I looked back, I looked at a timeline of standard bands and 
2000, 2001, 2002, two, 2003, no bans, nothing in standard. There's a four year, uh, four years of no bannings. 2004, skull clamp. Um, yeah. I, I don't have this in front of me. I'm just from memory doing it. So yeah, if sure, I sure, mess sure. it up, just, <laughs> but, but I believe it was 2004 was skull clamp banned. 2005, the next year, they, at that point, it's like, okay, affinity was a mistake. Let's ban Arcbound Ravager and all the, all the artifact lands. Okay. So that's the first memory I have of like, okay, really stuff needed to be banned. The format was messed up. Um, Skull Clamp seemed like an oops, you know, that slipped through and we didn't realize how good it was. We changed it late in the in design, I think was the story with Skull Clamp. So that just kind of felt ah. like a it just felt like an exception, just nothing really big deal. Affinity. Then then you go 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. It's, it's been 6 years and you get Jace and Stoneforge being banned. Granted, uh or 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 keep in mind, this is just like 3 months before they rotate. Three and right. a half months before they rotate, they, they're banned in June. They were going to rotate in, at the end of September, early October anyway. Um, so that was the next like standard banning. I'm going to pull up the timeline now because I do want to kind of look back at this and go, okay. So 2011 was was Jason Stoneforge. 2012, 2013, 2014, three. Okay, we're good so far. 2015, 2016. Okay, here we go. Here's where we went off the rails. 2017, January. Emrakul, Smuggler's Cropter, and Reflector Mage get banned. Then April, Felidar Garden, Guardian gets banned a few days after the ban and restricted announcement. If you remember that, uh, they they said no bans, and then it was like, actually, bans. <laughs> uh, so that was January. Then it was April, right? Then June, Aetherworks Marvel is banned. <laughs> so like, we're hitting, we're getting cards banned every couple of months in 2017. This is insane. 2018, the whole energy crew in January get get banned. So now we, we're here in 2019 and we're banning. It's like, how, why suddenly has it become the switch turned on that, that standard needs to be managed so much with bans? Like, are they messing this up that badly? Like, it really feels like, what changed? Right. It's not like Twitter didn't exist between like 2011 and 2017. Right. You know, like, so I'm not, I was going to say like, well, maybe just information spreads a lot faster, you know, right. and I can, yeah, but that's definitely not true. It spreads about the same speed, you know, like we've got Twitter, we've got access to these things. We've had articles getting posted, tournament results every week. You know, we, we've got the access to the information at the tip of our fingers you know so like it's not like there was a difference in like the way you know if it were if we were talking about 97 versus 2007 that's a much different world right you know what i mean like that's but but we're not so i don't know i mean like uh so first of all i mean uh, talking about the current because right now you know we fast forward to today Mm -hmm. and the discussion is on uh field of the dead uh, especially, right? Um, I think that some people are probably talking about Oko. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know Ryan wishes Goose would get banned because Ryan hates one mana accelerants in green. Um, you know, um, Teferi is not going to get banned. This is the thing that I've realized. You know, as the, the one since we talked about Corset 2021 being a Teferi centric set. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get a Teferi ban, so get that out of your head. It's not happening. You know, marketing, not happening. So, so we have to we have to adjust for that. But 
Um, you know, everybody's talking about banning Field of the Dead for starters. Um, now, I think that like the big problem with Field of the Dead is um, okay. I actually have I have a thought, but the big problem with Field of the Dead is that you know they don't have like so stop bitching, start brewing, right? That was that was our our, our our sign-off for this podcast for years and something we believe very strongly in and something that people even still to this day bring up on Twitter. Like, hey, you know, y'all are complaining about this format. What about Stop Bitch and Start Brewing? You know right, what I mean? Right. Um, so I get that, and I agree with that in theory. Now, in practice right now, the brewing can start when we have the cards printed that actually stop the problem. You know, and the simple fact is, there is this. This I don't know. It's like a blind spot to Field of the Dead. Um, Tomiko could have stopped Field of the Dead if it said lands entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. What what does it actually say? It says um, uh, lands on the battlefield and land cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities your opponents control. And your opponents can't play land cards from graveyards. So lots of the word the word land is on there a million times. Yeah. Um it does shut off Nissa's ability, you know, and that was useful um you know, before this um became a thing. But this card does nothing to stop Field of the Dead. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm this is more of... about protecting your own lands and then keeping your opponents from playing something from their graveyard. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it's anti-lands in a way. It's like pro-lands. Um, uh, you know, protecting your own thing. So it's sort of like if you were playing Field of the Dead, you'd want something like this if something existed that could target them. <laughs> Like, you know, the, we lost Field of Ruin, and that's right. the big, like, hole right now, I think, that, that or at least the most glaring hole is the absence of Field of Ruin, because you could play that in any deck. Now, no, it's tough in a three-color deck, especially when our mana is taxed the way it is right now, so theoretically, you could play it in any deck, um, and would give any deck an answer to Field of the Dead. Um, but yeah, it doesn't exist, so I, I understand that. Uh, I understand people's frustration with that. Um, the other one of the other answers, unmoored ego. Um, you know, there are very few answers. To and a lot to of the them card. are in blue black, mm-hmm. which is weird. You know, like blue or black. So like the whole format shifts to blue black or Esper um, to stop this one thing, but then the blue black decks or the Esper decks will probably be like, well, why don't we just run Field of the Dead? You know, I don't know. I mean, so, I'm, I'm sure people are. Like, the, the Field of the Dead decks now are like, you know, they're ramp decks. They, they're they trying to really maximize Field of the Dead. That's why they play Golos, right? And I can, Golos can tutor up any land, including Field of the Dead. Um, so you kind of get access to and you trigger Field of the Dead much earlier when you're putting way more lands on the battlefield early. So uh, it's hard to have seven lands on turn four if you're not a ramp deck. Um, so that's where Field of the Dead shines. But of course, you could just play it in another 
in another strategy if you're content to play it fair. And I don't think anybody would have a problem with Field of the Dead <laughs> fair, you know, uh, right. in terms of like not in this these kind of crazy ramp strategies. So basically what I'm saying is let's just keep Field of the Dead around. Just ban all the ramp cards, you know, no Golos, nothing that searches for land. <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll make people happy, I'm sure. That um, wouldn't happen. First no, of it all. won't. I'm joking. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, things like Teferi. I hate Teferi. I think Teferi should be banned in standard. I do. I think it should be banned. I think that, um, you know, I play magic because I don't like Hearthstone, you know, and when a deck can have Fires of Invention and Teferi in play and you're just playing Hearthstone because they can only cast spells on their turn. You can only cast spells on your turn. They cast spells based on the number of energy they have or, you know what I mean? Like the crystals, <laughs> like it's like, that's not magic, you know, and it doesn't feel like magic, not being able to have access to, um, instant speed spells, um, doesn't feel like magic. I you know, so I think Teferi should be banned. Reality is Teferi will not be banned. Therefore, stop bitch and start brewing applies. And there are cards in the format like Fry, um, like a, a creature that can deal one damage. You know what I mean? Like like after it bounces something, there's a lot of ways to deal with a Teferi. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think you, you know, can so fight I, Teferi, although I, I agree with the static ability, you know, because I think it just it pushed any kind of stack-based interaction out of the format because you can't respond on the stack. That's it. Like, it's done. I, you just t- yeah. totally invalidated, like, a way of interacting in, in standard, and I think, well, in any format that stand, that Teferi's legal, which is all of them, you know, all the main ones. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know why they did that. I f- I'll tell you, like, playing, I play the card in modern, and certainly feels great to, to shut off my opponent's <laughs> interaction, because that's right. kind of what I want to do, is I want to, uh, I'm trying to make the world safe for the, you know, the, the, the blue-white mage, and not all these other colors. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so being able to shut off my opponent's interaction is great, but, uh, uh, but in standard where the pool, the card pool is so much smaller, um, you've entirely pushed out counter spells. Like they just, right. don't, I don't even know why print them. Just don't print them if you don't want them. And I mean, I don't like that idea, but you, you're kind of, you really just took control decks, like that kind of control deck stack based interaction out of the format. And that that's crappy. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I know, but, but you know, so so there, we're not going to have it banned. It applies now with Field of the Dead. Field of the Dead. There's no way to interact with it. There's no way to brew. So all we have left is bitching. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, arguably that's true. I, I again, I don't want to make a. I can't sit, have an opinion on it right now because it's not an an informed opinion. But it does make me sad that we're, you know, the the set was released two weeks ago and uh <laughs> we're talking about cards being banned and it's like why are we here why is uh why is our game you know why are so many players why is why is the player base so inclined to fight a deck with bans and and maybe it always was that way but we just didn't get we didn't get that satisfaction of a ban as often right and you know when things rotated people could just be like yay it rotated let's move on to the new format we're excited um and I, I'm not saying Field of the Dead shouldn't be banned, but it does make me sad that we're in this situation because where I do think Wizards needs to, or I like that Wizards takes risks with cards and, you know, pushes things because I'd rather the cards be pushed and then banned. Um, I kind of feel like, are they, 
are they maybe doing too many pushing too many cards at once like it's maybe maybe there's a better balance of it because having to to ban cards this often like every year we're getting bans okay standard has not yet had a ban this year we did get an unban though rampaging for Asanon. so i can't say every year but we've had a ban in 2017 we've had a bunch of bans in 2017 bans in 2018 which was kind of a lot to an entire uh strategy the energy the, the mechanic completely banned basically um so here we are in 2019 and it looks like we're gonna get a ban so that part of the reason we wanted to uh we're talking about this though as we kind of feel so strongly that the card is likely to be banned is we actually had a bnr announcement the other day october 7th uh which was last monday um no changes. And then a few days later, let's see, I'm going to click the link so that I can um, actually see when they posted this. Wizards tweeted um, on October 9th. So two days later after the BNR announcement um, that the next BNR date, which was supposed to be November 18th, has been moved up to October 21st, almost a full month, like four weeks. Uh, And that conveniently falls after the... Uh, the Mythic Championship coming up and before the next Mythic Championship coming up. So I think everybody kind of realizes this looks like they are very concerned about standard, concerned enough to move up the the BNR date to being to have happening before one of their, you know, marquee events in, in Mythic right. Championship six, uh, which is in Richmond. So it's it's interesting that they're doing this. I kind of feel like they're sort of telegraphing this idea that they are concerned. And at the same time, I wonder, is it possible that they do nothing? Like they can't do this. They can't say, they can't say no bans. And then two days later say, Oh, by the way, we're moving up the next BNR announcement to in between these, these two big events um, so that we can hopefully control the format. If it's crazy in the next event, you know, like they're acknowledging something's wrong with standard. So it would be really, um, <laughs> what is it? Uh, there's a word, can't think of it. Um, anticlimactic. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if we, we get to October 21st and they're like, no bands. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and, and wrestling fans that listen to this podcast know this feeling all too well. So, um, here's the story, and I told I, I wrote this in the in the notes. I said it would be just like what happened in wrestling. Seriously, so there's this wrestler named Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend, right? And this guy has been doing the craziest videos, um, setting up his character, establishing his character. He carries he like he carries a lantern to the ring. The lantern. So he wears this mask that was designed by Tom Savini, uh, who did the like De- Dawn of the Dead makeup. He did Night of the Living Dead, uh, Creep Show, all kinds of stuff. Um, he carries, he wears a mask designed by him and carries a lantern of his freaking head with a gaping mouth and its eyes sewn shut and like this glowing green light coming out of its mouth. It's the scariest looking thing ever. Everyone loves it. Everyone's obsessed with it. We all like it's so good. It's so good that they had to put him right in a title match. So basically, they had to move up his like his ascendancy, or in this case, you know, a card is so good that it has to go away sooner than the normal announcement. But anyway, they put him in this match, and then he didn't win. 
Wow. So, like, they built this up, built this up, built this up, and then they end it. So, Hell in a Cell. Remember Hell in a Cell? Remember how Mick Foley jumped off the cake or got thrown off the top of the cell? And they brought out stretchers, and then he got off and finished the match? I vaguely remember that. You showed it to me on VHS. I'm sure I, I did. Know, in yeah. 1998, I have some memory of I've watched it 30 <laughs> times since. So anyway, um, Hell in a Cell was where this match happened, and they stopped the match. It, was, it ended due to a referee stoppage. Hell in a Cell. Do you know how how loud the boos were yeah. and the chance for refunds and the chance for competing wrestling companies that were going on in that arena? People were pissed. So if you were to take this and go, oh, yeah, we know standards are a problem. We're going to move up the band and restricted announcement four whole weeks. And then they move it up and they're like, standard, no changes. Do you know how mad everyone's going to be? And – this is actually something that I got back to thinking about. So 2011 to 2017, mm-hmm. um, we definitely had Twitter. You know, we definitely had these ways yeah. of communicating with people. But I think it took us that long to realize that if we bitch enough, it actually leads to changes. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's not just wizards doing that. It's companies across the board. Like, Listen, and I feel like Twitter is almost a problem for a lot of things. Like, because when people realize they're being listened to, when someone complains and then something changes because they complained, do you think that encourages people to complain less? Absolutely not. Yeah, you. No. Very good point. You know, so if you if you say. Ugh, I hate energy, you know, uh, I wish energy was banned. But you get enough people jumping onto that bandwagon, calling for a ban, and Wizards goes, I'm so sick of all these messages, let's just go ahead and ban it. You know what I mean? Like, what does that do? You know, the next time there's a boogeyman, rather than finding, rather than using stop bitch and start brewing, it's start bitch and start banning. You know what I mean? Like, and... Because we realize that the more we bitch, the faster they're going to act. Yeah. And so, you know, so I feel like there's a lot of problems with that. And there's a balance because you can't just ignore people. Right. Because a problem is a problem. And a problem doesn't go away because you put your head in the sand. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, you know, in the end, they want happy happy customers. That's the thing. And, if people are constantly complaining to them, it looks kind of like maybe our customers aren't happy and maybe we should do something about this, right? Like that's that's and, the thing. But they have to take some of it with a grain of salt because I can be like, I hate the color black in magic. Can we just ban all swamps and everybody can that agrees with me can agree and then we just have this big angry mob and, you know, weird that a card name – card exists name angry mob and that wants swamps um, in the game. But <laughs> – I just realized that was not intentional. Uh, So anyway, um, but yeah, (laughs) we, sorry, angry mob gets. Well, uh, now I'm thinking that that was um, a a, a slight dig at the people who wanted necro banned. But anyway, I'm just saying um, angry mob is, is is a two, two that gets, uh, well, it's, it's power. Oh, it was originally plant. It was originally printed in like Arabian nights. Wasn't it? Um, Where's the, the dark, the dark. Yeah, okay. So, so still 
you, it's power Before toughness. Necropotence. It's power toughness. It w- was uh, during your turn was equal to the total number of swamps all con- all opponents control plus two. So it was weird. It was like strangely this four mana two two that if you were playing against uh, an opponent with swamps, you it got bigger. But only during your turn. During their turn, it was just a two two. So <laughs> it was it's very strangely worded, and I don't know why. I didn't mean to go off on this tangent, but it was kind of weird. <laughs> That I thought of us as an angry mob trying to get rid of players playing black cards, and there's a card that wants players to play swamps. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> it's ridiculous to to say like to agree with every complaint that you get. So they have to sort of think about things on their you know research things, look into things on their own side, and I'm sure they are. Like they're looking at at Magic Online, they're looking at Arena, they're looking at at statistics, and they have to they have all these numbers and all this data and say like. You know, how often are games, including Field of the Dead, going for this amount of time? Um, how often are people conceding when someone plays Field of the Dead on in the first two turns or three turns, you know, even without triggering it? Like, are people this unhappy? Like, uh, they have the data. They have a lot to to look at. And I'm sure they are. But it, it is interesting because it does feel like you're onto something in terms of we keep complaining and they keep doing something. And now we're at a point where... For consecutive years, we've got all these bands in standard. And um, I want to uh, add one yeah, more thing. Go, go for it. How how come uh, the people in play design uh, could brew uh, a deck like the Field of the Dead, Golos, uh, whatever deck, uh, when they're not in play design, and then as soon as they're a member of play design, just become completely oblivious of the fact that there's a deck that could exist? What happened? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like uh, I don't think y'all. that's exactly what. Is happening. What I think is more likely is that they maybe come up with the deck, and they don't realize that it's like they they make the decision that there are answers to it. They feel that it's not as powerful as as we do. So I'm sure maybe there's something they missed. You know, maybe you get someone with four Field of the Dead in play design, and then nobody thinks, "Oh man, I wish we had land destruction in this format." Like nobody thinks that. And maybe maybe something is actually maybe they do have an answer. Maybe they thought. This deck isn't strong enough until Throne of Eldraine comes out, and then we have an answer for it printed in uh, Theros Returned to Ravnica, or whatever it's called. <laughs> Return to Ravnica Theros? <laughs> Theros Return to Ravnica. Um, <laughs> the next Theros set. Um, and, uh, and maybe they have an answer to it. So now it's kind of like, oh gosh, we have an answer. But people are already complaining, and Throne of Eldraine's been out for four days. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> now there is a problem. Like, we have access to these cards way sooner than we used to. That's true. So um, it's disingenuous of me to keep saying October fourth because technically we were playing with the cards a week earlier uh, right. on Arena and and Moto. So it is maybe I should stop pointing that out as the as part of it. So. Add seven days to everything I've said previously, right? But it's still right. very early in the format. It is. No, it's super early. It really is. Now, now, the other thing is, though, you know, what you have to remember, there's as, – as a company, what Wizards needs to remember, what a lot of companies need to remember is that – Twitter isn't the entirety of your your audience. Right. They're not the entirety of your market. They're just the loudest and uh, the loudest part of your market and the part of your market with the most direct access to you. You know what I mean? So like 25 people go into a message board that has nothing to do, you know, that, that nobody from uh, Wizards is in. 
and they're complaining about something, nobody sees that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. But if 25 people on Twitter at Mark Rosewater, you know what I mean, complaining about, you know, standard, he sees that whether or not he wants to or not, you know what I mean? It pops up in his mentions. You know, it might even notify him on his phone right. that somebody mentioned him in a tweet. Right, exactly. You know, which I hope he has turned off for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so, so, so it's the most visible and most vocal part. But, it, you know, really, we are even a vocal minority. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we are not the majority of players. The majority of players are probably kitchen table, you know? Yeah. Um, and they don't care about Field of the Dead. Right. Um, but, you know, competitive is, like, part of your marketing, and, you know, you see this as a problem. I mean, the card is obviously a problem. You know, Field of the Dead is a special exception to a lot of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But once Field of the Dead's gone, who's next? Oko. Oko. So next it's going to be Oko. People complaining about Oko, saying, yeah. oh, Oko's so powerful, we need to ban Oko. And then when Oko's gone, it's going to be the goose or, or something. You right. know, oh, well, I can't believe that this is so powerful. I mean, you know, so it doesn't end. The Hydra has end. heads. That's that's my Nobody my analogy. You know, the Hydra has heads. You can cut off a head. It's still got – it's just another head grows back in its place. So fine, cut off the head of a Field of the Dead and it grows back in its Oko. You know, like it's just how it works. Like there are powerful cards – and they're always – it's going to have – you're going to have cards that are powerful. There are going to be cards that are the most powerful in a format. Um, so, uh, like, I, again, I'm not saying that Field of the Dead doesn't need to be banned, but we all all have to understand that you – no matter how many bans there are within reason – they're always going to be the most powerful cards. Ban everything with basic land, and people will say island is the most powerful, and they'll be right. But it's like crazy. <laughs> like I, I, you can't. It's got to have. What do you want to what, want them to do? Um, so I, I don't know. It's uh, it's sad that we're here, but again, I do appreciate that they do push, and um, maybe they're just taking a little too many risks, or maybe they just need to really consider having answers um, outside of bans in the sets and and I would not be surprised to see something come up in the next set in Theros whatever the next Theros set is called um that would have pushed back on Field of the Dead like maybe it's not Field of Ruin maybe it's not Tectonic Edge or something that direct deals directly with Field of the Dead but maybe whatever it was would have sort of shut down that strategy a lot uh and we'll all laugh because like Sun Cleanser when that was printed and it was like haha that would have been great against energy <laughs> it was printed in like the core set 6 months after right. the, after energy was banned you know it's like they they can't print the cards and release them you know, on demand that you have to wait till the next set at least. And I think that's where I'm kind of, uh, it's kind of a bad situation or it's difficult on them because our information moves so fast and the format moves so fast that we're already declaring the format solved and we have months until the next set, you know? So we should, we should at least move on from the standard band talk. What do you think? We're getting, I'm right there with you. getting close to the end of the episode. I did want to touch on this because previously on YoMTG Taps, about 40 minutes ago, um, we we were talking about paradoxical outcome and and wrapped up into a lot of this discussion about bands. Uh, this all kind of applies somewhat to modern as well. And we just had these bands in modern and unbands in modern and everybody rejoiced and there was plain white celebration. At least that was the episode name when we uh, discussed it. Um, 
Now the question is around these Urza decks that appear to be the most popular. Um, whether it's Wurza, which is more of like the Urza Thopter Sword combo, like toolbox deck, uh, or it's these paradoxical outcome decks, which again have only really existed for a few weeks. Um, people are talking about bans in modern again and, you know, uh, what card needs to be banned. And I tweeted a few weeks ago, actually still during spoiler season, um, now is a bad time to buy Mox Opals. <laughs> and then I bought two Mox Opals. Right. <laughs> and I'm about to buy two more Mox Opals. So here's the thing. Um, I still think it's it's not that safe to buy Mox Opal. Um, I still think if anything gets banned from these Urza decks, if necessary, uh, Mox Opal is the target I think I'd like to see them hit. And this is obviously coming from someone who is in the middle of buying a play set of Mox Opals. I don't want them to ban it. Um, but I, but there is an advantage for you. I have, a, right? there's a couple reasons that it's safer for me right now and safe for anyone who, who wants to, wants to do this right now. Uh, if, if you're that worried about it happening very soon, um, I'm, first of all, I'm trading in old cards. I'm not spending money, but it's still resources. Um, and also I'm, I'm buying from cool stuff who has their, uh, their like banned and restricted, not banned and restricted. I think it's the banned card guarantee that if you buy a card and then it gets banned from, from a format within 30 days of your purchase, they will give you store credit back for it. Like you send it, they'll buy it back from you for store credit, whatever you spent. So I feel safer in that, that respect. And in the sense that we have a uh, BNR announcement coming up on October 21st. Today is the 14th, so we have a week. Um, if that, if they decide to ban it, then I'm safe. I don't know when the next BNR announcement is after that, considering they, they move them around willy-nilly, but <laughs> um, I feel a little safer with that. I will say that. And I also shout out to Cool Stuff Inc., our sponsor, and I think that's a great guarantee. I know you tweeted about it, really it a is. few weeks ago. Um, anyway, back to the actual discussion about Mox Opal and the reason I think it it might not be as risky as it looks. I think that wizards, like we talk about them wanting happy customers and you it, wizards, if they were to ban Mox Opal, how many, like it's the one of the best decks in modern or it's, it's in two of the best decks in modern. If you want to say that uh, in the, in the Urza, the Wurza decks and the outcome decks. Um, it's also in affinity and any kind of artifact-based deck is going to want Mox Opal um, down the line as you go deeper into kind of more rogue decks. But those three decks right there all use it. It's a card that a lot of people own and a lot of people are buying right now because it's it's a good card and, or, and it's, it's in these good decks. And you ban a card like Faithless Looting that costs a few bucks at most, okay, that's one thing. But you ban a card like Mox Opal that is, you know, pushing $130 on the big sites. Um, you're, that is that is not the kind of thing that you want to have on your conscience in a way. I know that sounds strange, but like that's the, the biggest card previously that I, or the most expensive card that they banned previously. And this discussion happened on our discord actually a few weeks ago. So you'll, you'll find it familiar, Joe and any, any of our patrons that uh, are listening would, find it familiar but jace was previously the card that was the most expensive and i think at the time it was banned it was roughly i want to say 70 bucks maybe it was 80 bucks um 
it had already started dropping because it was about to rotate out of standard. People were already right. trading them away and people were already keeping them for legacy. Now, at the time it was banned, modern didn't exist. Um, right. So people were playing Jace in legacy. So it was going to hold value because of that. Uh, but it was also people were getting rid of them because it was people were aware it was going to lose value because of rotation. Like none of that applies to Mox Opal, except for it's also playable in legacy. Um, but as many of you may have noticed, legacy has like legacy play has dropped. Like you see it at the Star City Opens and part of the team events, but they have very few legacy events anymore. It used to be half the weekend for Star City events, um, but now it's it's only like a third of the team events if they have the the team opens um legacy has kind of dropped back and i don't know how much demand how much legacy demand pumps up the prices of cards but um i do i think that it's a really dangerous thing if they were to go ahead and ban this card unless it's seriously seriously a problem like hogak level problem (laughs) and i don't think that's where we are at this point Maybe something changes in the next few months. We know how fast our formats change, but I don't think that's where we are. Even, um, you know, Zach Allen tweeted this morning, and I thought it was interesting, um, which is sort of uh, relevant to our and our entire conversation, but specifically this deck. Um, he said, interesting trend I'm starting to see in Magic. Information moves really fast, and Magic players often love to hyperbolize. Urza outcome decks were all over the SCG this weekend without actually being that good because everyone saw a few tweets and assumed it was the broken best deck. But if you go read the top eight profiles, almost everyone there tested with or against the deck and realized it wasn't as good as advertised and played a different deck that was a better choice for the weekend. Uh, I think three or four players even say that in their profile. And I think that's interesting. I think he makes a good point. Like, I certainly jumped on this because I saw LSV tweeting about it and Canister tweeting about it. Right. And those are big names. And I think LSV knows what he's talking about. I'm not saying uh, <laughs> he was wrong, but big names tweeting something is good causes a lot of uh, response in the community. So. I do think the deck has a lot of broken interactions. Well, not broken, let's say uh, very powerful interactions, but I don't think we're there yet. And so, yeah, maybe it will need to be banned in the future. Um, All this said, I really don't, um, I really hope that they don't ban one of the more fun cards like Urza or Emery, who both, they're both powerful cards, but they, like, they are kind of like the fun cards of the deck. Mox Opal is just powerful, right? Nobody's like, gosh, it was so much fun to, play a second basic land in a turn essentially <laughs> like I don't, that's it's like gosh it's so much fun to play a zero mana artifact that adds mana like that's not the fun part the fun part is using the cards that have abilities that you know get allow you to play something from your graveyard or allow you to uh to play something from your library like urza does like those are the fun cards i really hope if they do decide they need to ban something from from these decks that opal is the card they hit but i don't think we're there yet um, I think I think we will. I mean, I honestly like. I think that it's time. Um, and I don't even care about Mox Opal myself, <laughs> but uh, that price tag is an indication that that card is warping the format. I mean, like a card wouldn't be one hundred and thirty dollars if nobody wanted it, if nobody needed it for their decks. But the fact that so many decks are running four X Mox Opal, fifty six X whatever else. Um, you know, shows that that card is the cornerstone 
like 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 faithless looting. It's just like a super expensive faithless looting. You know, faithless looting was enabling a whole bunch of powerful strategies um, that wizards determined were too powerful for the format. Um, when this was just the four X, you know, for affinity, people were still saying it should be banned back then. Absolutely. But you know what? It really wasn't. It really didn't need to be banned back then because affinity wasn't the most busted deck in the format. You know it. It didn't ruin. It didn't ruin magic. Right. You know what I mean. And I'm not saying even that the Urza decks are ruining magic. Um, I agree with you that Urza should not be banned, and I do think that Urza will not be banned because it's an interesting card. There's a lot you can do with it that isn't super busted. Right. Um. But Mox Opal, I think it's. I think that this is finally when they're going to go. Okay, look, we got to get. We got to do something. You know what I mean. Um. And I just think, like you know, again, hundred thirty dollar card. Yes, that's an expensive card, but you know what? They were fifty when I bought them. You know, right? Um, and the fact that they're one hundred thirty dollars now means that you know, the, you know, obviously the supply has gone down, but also that you know the demand for this card's gone up because there are other decks now that run it. Um, and I think that they might just look at that and go, okay. We got to we got to stop it at some point because then it's going to be a two hundred dollar card and then they really are stuck. You know, that's a good. So, point. so like if they do nothing, it just keeps getting more and more expensive, and then it keeps looking like a more and more worse idea uh, to take it out of the format. So before it gets any more out of hand, maybe they just axe it. But I don't know if Mox Opal survives this next banned and restricted announcement. I won't be like throwing my hands up, going, "Oh, Wizards doesn't know what they're." Do-. You know what I mean? Like I. It's fine. It's fine. The format will be fine. Um, but that's kind of my point. Is that I, it's too early. I don't think. I don't think it's going to get banned next week because it's not. It's not like anything near what Hogak was. Like that's you know. And even with Hogak, they tried not to ban Hogak. They they banned Bridge from Below. Um, like it's. You look back at SCG Indie, like the the open. Uh, the top eight had one Urza deck in it. Um, the top 16 had two. So it's not like Hogak where it's like, oh, it's half the top 16 or something like that. You know, like the top 25, there were there were three in the top 25. So it's like I'm finding one deck every eight, <laughs> every eight players. You know, that is not oppressive. Like that is not right. a problem at all. I found 31st and 32nd place two Urza decks. So, so you're going to say there's, what did I say? There's five in the top 32 now. So, um, it's really, you know, one in every six point, however many players. So it's, that's not oppressive. That's not Hogak. That's not like, that's not a problem. And I know it's got powerful busted starts, but so does Titan. Amulet Titan can win on turn two also. And that was before it got a shot in the arm with, uh, Garen, Castle Garenbrig and, and, uh, Once Upon a Time, which, you know, Amulet Titan took second place. Amulet Titan took third place. Um, and then let's see, Amulet Titan took 18th place, 20th place. So you want to look at this last weekend and go, what's the problem deck? It's not Amulet Titan, but it's certainly arguably <laughs> more of a problem than the Urza decks. So I know this is just one event, but it is the biggest modern event that happened this past weekend. And so I think it's it's worth looking at. Um, I just don't, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think, uh, I don't know if, if, I can't speak for the next six months, but I definitely don't think we're there yet in terms of uh, Mox Opal right now. And that's why I feel like I'm going to I'm going to get the card. I'm going to play with the card. And, you know, if I'm having fun with it, I'm going to keep it. 
if it's not a deck that you know if i i stop enjoying playing the deck i'll get rid of them i'm i i i'll see what happens but i don't i don't think we're at that level of uh you know of alert for, for mox opal sure no, no yeah. sure uh, you know i want to just say one more thing um so we live in so you were talking about you know lsv was the one tar- talking about mm-hmm. um probably the, that the biggest name yeah. right yeah was that the one you were saying yep. right there's outcome yep. right so lsv is the uh the kendall jenner of uh magic gathering <laughs> I'm serious. He's a social media influencer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, like, like he says something, people go, oh, we need to do this because that's what he's doing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so people are influenced by that and people will react to that. Um, you know, but the same thing goes for people calling for bans and people defending cards from bans. Um, I just want to propose that from now on, every time somebody says that a card should or should not be banned, they have to disclose how many copies of that card they own. <laughs> That's fair. Because I guarantee you 95% of the people who are defending Mox Opal own or plan to own four copies I'm guilty. in the near future. And, 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 and I'm serious. I mean, I think that's the case for a lot of cards. And I've noticed this a lot of times. People go, oh, no, Teferi's not too strong for mo- for standard. Really? How many copies of it do you play in standard? Well, four, but, you know, it's almost going to be somebody runs that deck defending that deck. So there is a lot of bias. I mean, there's an endless amount of bias, sure. you know, um, on both ends mm-hmm. of it. You know, um, and so I, I, you have to remember this when you're when you're evaluating this sort of information, like when you're evaluating people saying something like Mox Opal should not be banned in modern. Um, and again, my personal position is don't care. Ban it. I'm not going to shed a tear. Leave it, you know, leave it unbanned. I'm going to just play as much as I want you know mm-hmm. what i mean i'm not gonna stop it doesn't affect playing. you either way you're fine basically it does yeah. not um but you got to remember a lot of the people calling for its banning are people who can't afford them you know who don't want to play that deck or don't enjoy playing against that deck and use that to say i don't enjoy playing against this therefore it has to go so i can enjoy this personally more right you know and then likewise the other side of that people say I think Mox Opal should not be banned. Um, then they also don't tell you that they bought 24 copies when they were 20 bucks each, and they have them in a binder ready to sell them off. You know, like that you've got to just remember that people are looking out for their own interests when they're you know making a public statement like that. Right. You know, and it's not always the case, but a lot of times it is. No, absolutely. So, I think it's the case a lot of times. I think you're absolutely right. And even even me, like I. Before I owned Mox Opal, I was like, yeah, please ban it so I don't have to buy it if I want to build a deck that <laughs> plays it. You know what I mean? Like if I want to ever build Affinity, I look and I'm like, I don't want to build Affinity because Mox Opal. But then Urza came out and I'm like, oh, I want to play Urza. This looks great. Oh, what's in this deck, Mox Opal? Oh, guess I'm not playing Urza. So it took me this many months, right? We go from June to October and to, to work up the courage to go ahead and get a, get Mox Opals because I, I really was thinking I wasn't going to – I didn't want to buy into it. Um, right. But you know, here I am. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I could get burned, but I'm um, I'm all right. Now, uh, I I traded in a bunch of cards that I wasn't playing with anyway. So right. <laughs> it was it was fallow resources there. You know, just doing nothing. Um, right. So anyway, uh, just quickly on the topic of Moxon, 
I think I just want to say like I think Mox Amber is the per- Mox Amber is the perfect Mox because I think the hoops it makes you jump through. So Mox Amber requiring a legend in play, a legendary creature or planeswalker, not a legendary land, uh, but uh, requiring a legend in play is just enough of a hoop to jump through to make it like harder to trigger, right? It's, it's It really feels perfectly balanced. When you look at like what, what's the Mox Tantalite, which is, you know, suspend three or something, that is that is that is way too you know that much time right. is too many hoops. Anyway, I just was thinking about it the other day, and I feel like Mox Amber feels really well balanced because it does. It requires you to cast a spell that costs more than zero mana for it to even matter. Um, right, and you can't like use it to ramp into like Oko. Right. You know, because if you don't have the legend, you don't have the man. Right. So you've got to cast Oko first right. to turn it on. Now, of course, we've got a card like Emery, right. you know, which could be, you know, potentially a problem. But even that, what does that cost like? It costs three. three right. But then it has like affinity, essentially. Yeah. So right. you can play, so, you can play like Island, Mox, Amber, anything, <laughs> like any zero mana artifact tap the island play the emery now the mox amber can can generate mana on turn one but like you need those cards in your deck you need those cards in your hands yeah you need to draw all of them yeah Yeah, it's one specific three card combo um which again you know is fairly broad but you do definitely need two of the cards you know the third card is a bit of a wild card it could be any number of zero mana uh, artifacts but you definitely need this and this in your opening hand right um, and then that, and then you need something to do with it all. Exactly. That's so, the other part. Like this is, this is the paradoxical outcome decks essentially like in a nutshell, they're basically trying to break the, uh, they're trying to maximize the power of Emery and Mox Amber by playing a lot of cards like Everflowing Chalice for zero mana, which guess what? Does nothing. <laughs> does nothing. Right. It does literally nothing but count towards affinity, right? Like it's, you put it, you're taking up a card slot in your deck just so you can get a little bit cheaper Emery or, you know, you can actually trigger your Mox Opals, like you can get Metalcraft. Uh, so like, uh, you know, you're you're putting these cards in a very narrow situation and, and when, they, when it all comes together, yeah, it can absolutely be powerful. I'm not saying it's not, but this is a lot of hoops to jump through. You can't throw yeah. Mox Amber in your blue-white control deck and expect to be able to play your Teferi on turn two because what in the world did you play on turn one? That <laughs> to right. like get the, you know like that's you need to jump through hoops and Emery is a great pairing with Mox Amber. It's the best pairing that I think exists um, in modern and uh, but I think Mox Amber is like the perfect perfectly designed Mox. Like they finally designed one I think that's perfect and I guess that only goes for now because. Um, you know, maybe they print more broken legends. I mean, you can start with Plains, Isamaru, Mox Opal, Savannah Lands. I don't, uh, not Opal, Amber. So you're Sorry, starting Mox with, Amber. You're already playing Isamaru, though. Exactly. Modern, right. You're playing Isamaru. Your, your first problem. Which is already below rate for current creatures. Um, yeah. So I think we probably should wrap it up. Um, we had some more things to talk about. We'll save that for next time. We, let's we, do it. it works out. I, 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 it's, let's record next week. Based on what I'm looking at now, because mm-hmm. I didn't realize exactly the timing on the announcement. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's record. You know, the day of the new BR announcement. Sounds good. Um, That'll be next Monday. Because we'll also have right next Monday. So we're going to rec- do another episode next week, and we'll have a Mythic Championship to talk about, and we'll have um, you know banned and restricted announcement right. to talk about. So and I'm sure some more stuff. Yep. Yep. We got to save yeah, save it for the next episode. So for sure. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I, I guess that wraps us up. I, I'm just trying to think, is there anything here at the end? Just skim, skimming our show notes here. Nope, I think that's all. So, uh, Everything else we can hit next Absolutely. Week. So until next time, we're Yo! MTG Taps. Make them have it. And also stop bitching, start brewing, but we know we're around with that. <laughs> <laughs>